Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Well, as Jonathan said earlier before he prayed, sometimes uh, talking about money can be a little bit of a sensitive subject. But I'm going to tell you this morning that I'm excited for this new series called Bailout. And, uh, and, and, and there are several reasons for that. One is we're not just going to be talking about money during this series. We're going to be really talking about other things as well. We're going to be talking about how we manage our time, for example. Time is another wonderful gift that God has given all of us. And how do we, how do we use that time? How do we invest our time? We're also going to be talking about our abilities, the, the physical and mental and emotional gifts that God has given to all of us so that uh, we can use those for His glory and, and how best to invest ourselves. You know, I don't believe that a series about time and talents and treasures has to be a downer. In fact, I I think it can be something that's truly awesome for all of us, but it really comes down to two things. So often, a series about money or time, talents, and treasures, a stewardship series, gets uh, to a point where it's essentially laying a lot of guilt on people. And if there's anything that I want this series to be, and you can help me by the end of this series by giving me feedback, if there's any one goal I have... For this series is that this series be an encouraging series for you a series in which as we um, talk about these things that might be sensitive especially in a day and age where bailout is as Jonathan said the number one word in our country today I want to ask you if you walk out of this series feeling just weighed down with guilt or walk out feeling encouraged uh, with a lighter step here's here's where I think the secret to that is and that's an understanding that that we all, and I think God has built us to want a meaningful life. We want to have a life where we feel we're making a contribution. That we're, we're doing something with our lives that is more than just moment to moment, day to day, hand to mouth. We want to do something with our life that really leaves a legacy, that, that really lets God shine through in in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. We want to give glory to God with our lives. Now that is why I believe that Jesus, and in fact we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a little, little while, why this topic of money, but also time and talents, features so prominently in the Bible because it's all really focused around do we want to have a meaningful, purposeful life? And here's how to go about doing that. So that's why I'm excited about this series. I don't, I mean, I'm hopeful that it is not going to be a downer to you at all. And I think there's no better time to talk about these kinds of issues, and especially the issue of debt, which is what we're talking about this morning, than after a Christmas shopping season. I know how it goes in my family. We, uh, we, we go out and we do all of our shopping. We try to do our best with all the, the, the bills and the sales and all that kind of stuff. And still at the end of every Christmas shopping season, you get that first uh, MasterCard bill and you go, wow, did I really spend that much money? And uh, it's easy to get ourselves caught at this time of year in the debt trap. You know how it is. You know about those terms. They even have the word for the day after Thanksgiving. You know what that day is called, right? Black Friday. And, and there have been incidents in 2008 in shopping that are, that are truly scary 
things. You probably heard about the one store where the people were pressing so hard that the glass broke and people literally stampeded over, over a worker. You probably heard about the, the toy store incident over in, uh, in Palm Desert, California, where two people actually were shooting each other over toys that they, that they wanted. So this is how serious the whole shopping thing gets to be. So what better time for us to consider this whole thing than right after the Christmas season? In his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. By the way, that's kind of an interesting book. You might want to write that title down. I don't agree with everything that's in there, by the way, but it it does have some pretty interesting things. In that book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, author Randy Alcorn references the comic strip, Kathy. Now, you're all familiar with that comic strip. I... uh, I actually gave a couple of them. Now, this guy is great in portraying what happens around Christmas. This particular one says, I chose a picture. Can you still make it into a mug for Christmas? Well, there will be a rush charge, an extra processing cost, an emergency overnight delivery fee. And she's going, okay, okay, okay. In a city of rock-bottom holiday sales, a truly remarkable value, the $59, $2 gift. For an extra $6, we'll wrap it. Okay. Introducing fashions for your husband. This, this is the next one down. This is a different, different one. Look, introducing fashions for your husband's electronic gizmos. You know that all of our electronics have fashions nowadays, don't you? Right? Blackberry sleeves, iPod jackets, phone wraps, mini TV totes, universal remote socks, mix and match for day, evening, and weekend. Right? Cute, she says. Let the men run out and buy their own toys. We'll buy them little outfits. And he says accessories, not outfits. Well, Randy Alcorn references a different Kathy comic strip. I I couldn't find the actual one, but, but here's what it is. It goes from frame to frame. And, uh, and it's following a person buying things for Christmas. Safari clothes that will never be near a jungle. Running shoes that will never set foot on a running track. Deep sea dive watch that will never get damp. Keys to a four-wheel drive vehicle that will never go off-road, right? And finally, a home and garden magazine that we don't read filled with pictures of furniture we don't like. And here's the conclusion at the end of it. Abstract materialism has arrived. And then the other person says... We've moved past the things we want and need and are buying those things that have nothing to do with our real lives. Materialism is an issue in our country today. And while I promise you that I I don't want you leaving burdened with guilt, I think at the same time we have to face up to the fact that we are living in a world where materialism is a reality. When Julie and I moved back from Africa... Uh, It was one of the very first things that we noticed about life in America. A friend of ours, for example, went to shop just for a loaf of bread. And uh, when he went into the store, he was so overwhelmed by the different kinds of bread that it was possible for him to buy, and he had just come back from Zambia too, that he, he literally couldn't decide which loaf of bread to buy. Because in Zambia, it's basically bread or no bread. Okay? And, and so he, he literally turned out, he was overwhelmed by the number of choices that there were for him to get. 
Let me, let me share just a couple of more statistics with you. In the U.S., according to Randy Alcorn in that book I mentioned before, there are 16 and a half feet of mall space for every man, woman, and child in America. 16 and a half feet. That's more than most countries have for living space. He also says that more people visit Minnesota's Mall of America than Disneyland, the Grand Canyon, and the Grand Old Opry combined every year. Isn't that amazing? Amazing statistics. And you know about the recent, the recent uh, bailout by our federal government. Well, you've probably heard the $700 billion uh, figure quite often. But do you realize that more recently than that, and this one was a little bit more quietly advertised and, and, uh, and told out there, uh, they wanted to add another $50 billion onto the bailout. And that was no longer, that $50 billion was no longer designated for homes. That $50 billion was designated for consumer debt because our country's economy is so based on people using consumer debt, credit cards and so on, that, that the federal government felt that they had to do something to loosen up even that market. That's how much our whole economy is based on this kind of debt. Well, here's what one economist said about that. He said, it's as if we had a car whose tires had all blown out, and the solution that someone suggests is, Let's figure out a way so we can just keep pouring more gas in the tank. Is that where we're at, not only nationally, but also personally? That in our own economic lives, one, two, three, or four tires are essentially blown out. And our solution for the problem is to keep using our consumer debt, our personal consumer debt, to keep pouring more gas in the tank in the hopes that one day things will turn around and in the future I'm going to be able to pay those things off. Now, I say this with tremendous sympathy. Please understand this for those people who are truly struggling today because they've lost a job, and there are many, many even in this room, because they've had their hours reduced. And sometimes solutions to problems like that are very difficult to find. And I, and I say all these things with tremendous compassion in my heart. At the same time, at the same time, I think we have to face up to the reality of where we stand today. We live in a country that is rife with materialism. Get out your crosswalk notes because I found a definition of materialism that I really like. You heard me say a week ago that materialism is a theory that physical matter is the only or the fundamental reality. The only or the fundamental reality. But if you look in Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, while that is the primary definition, here's a second definition of materialism that flows from that definition, that materialism is the only or the fundamental reality. It is this. It's a doctrine. And you know that word doctrine is often used in religious contexts, isn't it? 
And here it is used with materialism. It's almost become a religion for us in America. It's a doctrine that the only or the highest value or objectives lie in material well-being and in the furtherance of material progress. Think about that for a minute. In other words, have we been led by our society, by our culture, by our own hearts to believe that what's really important, the highest value, My highest objective or goal in life is my material well-being. Do I believe that my highest objective or goal in life is the furtherance of my material progress? That I have to keep building up more and more and more to show who I am, my identity, and what I'm about. Too many of us have bought into this definition, even those of us who are Christ followers, and it is so easy for us to slip into. And I'll share with you in a moment that there have been times in Julie's in my life where we have allowed ourselves to slip into believing that that is what life is truly about. And I want to challenge everybody here today to examine your own heart seriously and honestly and go, Am I, have I really gotten to that point where I believe that material progress and material goals, those are what life is all about. Well, here, here you have that passage. Let's, let's open back up to Proverbs 22, verse 7. And I want you to look at this, because if we're, if on top of having that materialistic idea in our mind, we're so determined to get there, or at least have the appearance of getting there, and that's another important thing, have the appearance of being there, that we're willing to use debt to achieve that appearance, then we're going to get ourselves into trouble. And that's where we need to match our ideas with God's ideas. Take a look at what that verse says again. And I'm focusing especially on the second part. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So here we have two clashing ideas. The one, a philosophy of life that says, if I want to be successful in today's world, I have to have at least the appearance of being materially successful. And the other, from God's word, that says, in essence, the borrower becomes the lender's slave. I even put the New American Standard Version translation into your crosswalk notes because it's a little bit more literal. That's literally what that means. The borrower is servant to the lender. The literal word means you are the lender's slave. Now, which of us would raise our hand and say, if it were put in those terms, who here today would love to volunteer to be in slavery, in bondage. Get yourself locked up into chains and be told everything that you have to do by someone else. I don't think many of us would raise our hands for that, but in effect, many of us are raising our hands for that because look at what God says here. The borrower becomes the lender's slave. And that's why it's so important for us to look honestly at what's happening in our world today and sometimes in our own personal lives as well to get what God's view is on this. And, and it's why I wanted to point out the reason for this series is not to guilt you. 
The reason for this series is to allow you to live your lives fully to the glory of God. But if you think about that verse, if you are in chains, if you are someone else's slave because of debt in God's eyes, are you going to really be able to live your lives fully to the glory of God? Are you really going to be able to to do everything that you want to do in your new man to serve God and glorify God if you are slave to a man? In fact, in the New Testament, the book of Corinthians, we read, don't become a slave to another man. And that's because God also wants for you to be able to serve him fully with your, your whole heart. Jesus himself Put it this way. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. God created us to love people and use things. And the reason Jesus gives that warning is too often we get that turned around, don't we? We end up loving things and using people. And that's why Jesus warns us against greed because it it twists and turns things. And, And honestly, greed is nothing more than what we call in non spiritual terms materialism. It's the same thing. And so when we allow ourselves, when Satan comes and tempts us toward that materialistic mindset, he's drawing us into greed. And do we understand how important this is to God? I want you to think about the Bible. Do you know how many stories? There are literally dozens of stories in the Bible about people who allowed themselves to be motivated into hurt and pain and self-destruction because of greed. Think about the commandments. How many of them are there? Ten, right? And if you, if you count them carefully, how many of them touch on the subject of greed? Number one, when we put anything else above God, right? Don't have any other gods. If we put money ahead of God, it's become our God. Number seven, you shall not steal. And two others right at the end. Don't covet your neighbor's house. And don't covet your neighbor's wife or any of his possessions, his donkey, his goat, whatever. Don't covet those either. Four out of ten of the commandments have to do with money. And this is why Jesus really says, hey, be careful about greed. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Remember what Paul said? Most people know this verse very, very well. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, 
have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. All right, so this leads up to our very first point. And that is in this world, we are going to struggle. We're going to struggle constantly between these two polar opposites. Materialism, buying into material advancement, material goals for our lives. Or we're going to step back and we're going to go, no, I'm going to pursue the spiritual. I'm going to recognize what God says from his point of view. Things like debt are. Debt is slavery. And I'm going to work, as Paul commands me to work, to get my thoughts in line with God's thought. If I want to dig myself out of a hole built by debt, I have to first dig myself out of sinful thinking. Paul writes it this way in Romans chapter 12. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Underline that phrase, will you? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the secret. We need to get our mind on track with God. And then look at this promise. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And his will for you is what? What does that say? Why does God want us out of the trap and the slavery of materialism? Because his, his will for us is good and pleasing and perfect. So here's the first step to digging ourselves out of a debt hole. Let's first begin by digging out of sinful thinking. There's one guy I love. He calls this stinking thinking. And I really agree with that. I think when we allow ourselves to get drawn into a materialistic worldview, when we allow our hearts to be filled with greed, that is, by its very definition, stinking thinking. And the very first thing we need to dig ourselves out of with God's help by the power of the Holy Spirit, like Paul says, is renewing our minds, dig out of sinful, stinking thinkings. Let me, um, let me go on from there, though. Because it's not only a matter of our thoughts. Once we develop a certain pattern of thinking, you know that that's also going to develop a certain pattern of action. What do we call it when we establish a pattern of action? becomes so natural that we don't even think about it anymore. You know what that's called, don't you? It's called a habit. And the very next thing that we have to realize is because of certain ways of thinking, we may begin to establish certain habits. In other words, take the Christmas shopping season. I know in our family, it's kind of become a habit to go, hey, after Christmas, there's sales. And of course, we've got to go out. That's just what is done. We've got to capture those sales. And it can become a habit. It's something that you do. It's a tradition in your family. And it's something that we all have to be careful about. Materialism begins with the heart. But later on, it works its way into our life habits. And, we ha- and that's what we have to know. Notice what Paul wrote to Timothy when it comes to habits. First Timothy 6, I put this into your crosswalk notes. But you... Man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, 
love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. All right. Now, I've revealed a little bit about my family, and I'm going to reveal it again. Uh, Reveal some more a little bit later. But here's what I want to say. And and I I want to be very careful to distinguish some things here. Shopping after Christmas in and of itself is not a sin. In fact, it might be good stewardship, right? Because it might be during that time when you can get something that you have patiently waited for for a long time at a good price. And getting something at a good price that you've saved for, that you've built up for, that's not a sin by any means. What really happens when we start to develop stinking thinking is that it can lead to habits of impulsiveness, for example. That's why they have all those fancy little displays at the, at the checkout aisles, right? Because they want you to make an impulse buy. And when I talk about habits... Those are the kinds of habits that I'm talking about, is a habit of impulsiveness. Man, I see something I want, and I make an emotional decision. Despite the fact that I might not have enough money to buy that right now, and out comes the credit card. Those are the kinds of habits that we have to watch out for if we want to dig ourselves out of debt. That's why Paul says to Timothy, when we notice ourselves developing sinful habits, he says, flee Flee from all this. So I want to talk about some habits, some very practical habits. And I I left blanks in your crosswalk notes for these that I think that we all need to watch out for if we want to dig ourselves out of debt, out of this slavery. You want to be released from your slavery? Think about these things. First of all, even before you step out of the house, watch your television watching habits. You realize that by the age of 20, the average American has seen over 1 million commercials? That's a lot of commercials by the age of 20. Number two, watch your shopping habits. Again, Randy Alcorn uh, cites this statistic. The average American shops six hours a week, six hours a week shopping but only spends 40 minutes with his children. Three, watch your credit card use habits. I think a lot of us would be on better footing to almost think with this philosophy, if I can't afford it now without credit, maybe it's not God's will for me to have it yet. Imagine if we operated on that always. If I can't afford it now without credit, Maybe it's not God's will for me to have it yet. Consider performing plastic surgery on your cards. You know what I mean by that? With your scissors, right? Sometimes we have to take radical measures to to be able to, uh, to, to get these things done. At the very least, draw up a reasonable budget. Most of us know how to do that how to plan income versus expenses. Write that up. Plan it every month. Get some help doing that. You can buy things even at Staples to help you do that. Find someone who knows how to do that, that already has a habit of doing that. Get their help doing it. Seek wise financial counsel. Four, watch your saving habits. You know what I mean by that, don't you? 
you know, when you go out to the sales, right? 40% off. I just saved $30, but I also spent $30 saving the $30, right? Well, that's 50% off. All right, so watch your saving habits and literally begin to set some aside for a, for a rainy day. God once told Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Part of mastering it is to think about another habit, and that is literally our fleeing habits. Do you have a habit of fleeing temptation? Sometimes we allow ourselves to get drawn more and more and more into that temptation rather than going, this is a temptation. I am booking it out of here. I'm going to show you a video about that in just a moment. This is a very important one because the Bible consistently says, flee sinful temptation. And final one, your offering habits. Many times, when we allow ourselves to get into debt, what ends up getting bumped back to the last priority? We're very willing to go to God. Now, this is going to sound a little hard. We're, We're very willing to go to God and say, God, can you help me dig out of this hole? And yet, on the other end of things... We're putting God last when it comes to giving him our thank offering. And remember, that's what your offering is. You're not trying to buy God's favor. You're, you're not trying to get God to be a better servant to you by paying him off. Your offering is a thank offering for the awesome thing that he has already done for you. And you know what that is because we just celebrated that. He sent his one and only son. And when he sent his one and only son into that, into that little town called Bethlehem, into that little cradle with no clothes, just cloths wrapped around him, he did that because he saw that we had all kinds of debts built up, didn't he? Not just financial debts, but, but walk down through all ten of the commandments now. We had debts built up in every one of those. And God said, I want to help them pay those debts off. In fact, I want to entirely pay those debts for them. And he did. Jesus paid all of our debts. Not, not just the greedy debts, but the lust debts, the hatred debts, the lack of forgiveness debts, the the gossip debts, all those debts. Jesus came and he said, here, I'm, I'm taking them off of you because I love you. Remember how we used to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us our debts, right? as we forgive those who are our debtors. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. Now, when I give my offering, that's my way of saying, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me in paying off my debts. So check your offering habits. Is he getting the first fruits?
Is he getting not only the first of what he's given me back, but also the best of what he's giving me? So here's our second point. After we dig out of sinful thinking, stinking thinking, we need to dig out of sinful habits. Let me strongly suggest one very practical thing. If you are sitting here today and and you are in debt, I think there's one really practical thing that you could do, and that's sign up. We're going to have four sections of Financial Peace University coming up in our next growth group semester. In fact, I'm going to show you a tiny little clip um, from Financial Peace University in just a moment. And I really believe that even if you are not in debt right now, this is a great course for everyone to take. Julie and I have read his books. I just want to reveal to you, as I stand up here, I'm not standing up here as a perfect man who has always had his financial management things in exact order. There have been several times in, in our lives where we've gone through debt problems. When we first moved back from Africa, even though we had saved up a pretty good amount of money, there were so many things. We had to get a car. And we were, we were um, moving into a house. You need all these kinds of things. And we tried to make it for a little while with one car. And Julie was going over here, and, we were, and I was coming over here to, to ALA, ALA. And we just couldn't quite figure out how to make it with one car. And, and just gradually, it was like gravity inexorably pulling us into this situation. We began to get ourselves deeper and deeper into debt. So I'm not standing up here as someone who has always been perfect. We eventually, by the grace of God, dug ourselves out of that debt. We had to sell some things to do that. We got, we got it done. We started crosswalk. Again, made the, some of the same mistakes and got pulled back into debt again. So we've been on that roller coaster ride. But let me tell you, a great practical resource is this resource called Financial Peace University. I'm going to have Joda play a clip, and you'll see why this is so important. Now, think about fleeing habits as you watch this clip. I've been studying this for a couple of decades now while I've been doing it and teaching it both. And literally millions and millions of families have tried these ideas. So I'm starting to see trends because the numbers are so big now. I'm seeing things that are in common, common characteristics across these groups of people. And one of the things I kept hearing on the radio show and when I would meet people in person, they had this thing in their voice. The ones that were going to make it, the ones that weren't going to be a goat, the ones that were going past the bare spot, that were going over the top, that were going to make it, they were going to get out of debt. They had this thing. It's like an attitude. It's like, all right, what do I got to do? This is it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. And then I'd have other ones that would call in and go, whoa, dude, this is kind of like entertaining, sort of, kind of. How would you maybe do this, sort of, kind of? What's your strategy? And I'm going, you're not going to make it. Well, why, man? You got to, I don't know, you got to go get mad or something. These other people got something going on that you, you know, we got to hit you or something to get you, get you a little upset. You know what I'm saying? You got to get, got to get fired up about this somehow. And, and, and I've been studying it, and then I was, I was reading through Proverbs. You know, there's 31 Proverbs. And so if you read one proverb a day, it's, it's a good one a day. If you don't do anything else, that's a good one. And even if you're not a Christian, it's okay. Just read one a day. I mean, because if you read it over and over and over again, eventually you get a master's degree in finance. It's in Proverbs. Okay? 
And really, it is. And so I'm reading along, and I've read through them several times, and I hit this one one morning. It was kind of interesting. It said, it's Proverbs 6, 1 through 7. It said, if you've signed surety, my son, do this. Now, I had a spiritual awakening several years ago. I had a real spiritual revival. I had a spiritual discovery. I figured out God is smarter than me. (laughs) And so when I'm reading along and it says, if you're doing this and you don't want to be, do this. I go, "Uh uh-huh, okay, this is important. Write this one down. So if you're in debt, surety is an old English Bible term for going into debt. Okay, if you've signed surety, my son, if you got yourself in debt, do this. I'm like, okay, there it is. There's something. There's a big deal here. Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids, and deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and a bird from the hand of the fowler. And I went, gazelles, birds? Am I using that? I don't understand. I don't get. It's a nice little animal metaphor, but I mean, we'll talk about it in Sunday school class. But I mean, if you're in debt, what's a gazelle got to do with it? That was honestly my reaction. Some of you don't pray that way, but that was my reaction. And and, and the truth is, that night I was scanning the channels. I was channel flipping, and I hit the Discovery Channel. And and on the Discovery Channel were the gazelles. They were out there gazelling around. And I thought to myself, if you're in debt, deliver yourself like the gazelle from the hand of the hunter, the bird from the hand of the fowler. This is how you get out of debt. And I'm watching there a minute, and you know... You know, if it's the Discovery Channel, that the gazelles aren't there by themselves. I mean, you know somebody else is around, right? I mean, Mr. Cheetah is there looking for lunch. And the gazelles, you know, they have a little cheetah detector right behind their ear. And they see the cheetah, they go, oh, cheetah! Run! And I'm thinking, whoa, this is how you get out of debt. It's like life or death. you got to bust it, man. you got to run like you're on fire. The way you get out of debt is you go, 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 go. You're getting ready to be a gazelle burger. This is how you get out of debt. And, and, you know, I'm watching this thing unfold, and I'm thinking, man, this guy's fast. And the Discovery Channel came on. They said, you know, the the cheetah is the fastest mammal on dry land. This bad boy can go from zero to 47 miles an hour in four leaps. The fastest animal on dirt. And he's trying to eat the gazelle. This is how you get out of debt. You run! And look what he did. He picked out, he picked out the little one. He got him a college student. Hey! Hey, come here! Come here! You need a hat! Don't you need a collar? Don't you need a pizza? Come here! I got a t-shirt for you! Come here! Come here! Come here! I got something you need! Here's how you get out of debt! You gotta run! You gotta go! 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 He'll motivate you. He'll motivate you. Yeah, he's good. He's good. So when we talk about getting out of debt, obviously it doesn't all have to be this shoulder weighed down thing. But it does have to, it does have to come with this understanding of this is dangerous stuff. And, uh, and so this is the last part of, the, of uh, today's message that I want to take you to. Once you've gotten rid of the stinking thinking and you're, you're online with God's philosophy that, that the borrower is the slave of the lender, and once you've begun to address some of those habits that we just went through, realize that you're still probably going to be dealing with some of the mess that's left over, aren't you? Right? Because if you've been in that mind frame, if, if you've been following some bad habits, you're going to have some debt built up. You're going to have some things that are not right that you're going to still 
feel are kind of like a ball and chain that you're dragging behind you. So what are we going to do about those things? I shared with you before that, that we really need to have this attitude that debt is slavery. Julie and I learned uh, a number of things when we have been in debt. Debt lingers. Debt causes worry and stress. Debt causes denial of reality. Debt is literally, I believe, addictive. It's presumptuous, meaning it's always going, I'll get it paid off tomorrow. It takes away our margins in life. Think about that for a minute. Most people, when they're writing on a page, right, they don't fill up the whole page, do they? There's a little margin. But if we're spending all the money we have and more financially, we're taking away the margins from our lives. And that's stressful. Debt can cause you to lose opportunities. And finally, debt ties up resources that we might love to use. I I believe most believers are exceptionally generous people that want to see God's kingdom move forward. But when we're struggling with the ball and chain of debt, it's tough. So here's, here's, here's what we need to remember. First and foremost, wherever you're at today, if you're going to begin to clean up the mess of the past, it begins with understanding the grace of God. It begins with understanding the forgiveness that we talked about a few moments ago. We have to get fully with our whole heart that Jesus Christ came into this world to release us from all kinds of slavery, but also our slavery to greed and materialism, and to understand that wherever we've been in the past, however sin has trapped us, even in this sin of greed, we are now released. Jesus Christ has won forgiveness for us. That is his grace. Start there. Start right there with the cross. Know your forgiveness. Know God's constant love. One of the greatest Christmas passages of all times about our release from slavery by Jesus is from the book of Galatians. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law. Literally, that word redeem means to release us from slavery that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now, living in that forgiveness and that grace, knowing that you have the full rights of sons, here's three things you can do. Number one, commit to maintaining your right thinking. Right thinking can easily slip away. So you're going to have to maybe even make a list of Bible passages. Certainly be in the Bible daily. But you might even have to go to the point of making a list of Bible passages that help you maintain your right thinking over against greed. Second, commit to praying daily. And especially, I think, in prayer and in repentant prayer. We bring our sins to God and we cycle back to him and we say, God, here I've slipped again, please forgive me. And then we know that that forgiveness is there daily. Commit to prayer and repentance. And third, commit to disciplined action over the long haul. Act on your new thinking. Act on your prayer and on your repentance and on the forgiveness that God gives you. Act on it. Absolutely and positively think like that gazelle 
I'm not going to take on any more debt. I'm going to systematically reduce the debts I have. I'm going to get into a course if I need to do it. Remember what Dave Ramsey said there? Basically have this attitude that whatever it takes, I'm going to change my way of thinking. I'm going to change my habits and my way of life. And I'm going to act on the way God thinks. So finally, your third point is dig out of the consequences of sinful thinking and habits. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There are people around. There are people here at Crosswalk. There are people that have wisdom about financial things. Go to them and ask for help. So there you have it. How are we going to get out of debt? First of all, number one. Number one, get rid of the stinking thinking. Get rid of that sinful thinking that is materialistic. Number two, begin to change your habits. Get out of the sinful habits that you've been in. And finally, three, deal with the lingering consequences that uh, come from your sinful thinking and your habits. Here's some next steps in the crosswalk for you. Commit to changing both thoughts and actions to free yourself from slavery to debt. Ask God for his strength to keep your commitment. You're going to need that. Even though you dwell in your forgiveness and in God's grace and you're empowered by it, you're still going to need God's daily help and strength. Another practical thing you can do, which I mentioned already, is register for a Financial Peace University growth group. You can go online at Crosswalk Phoenix, or you can just, uh, just write, register me for FPU on your communication card today. And finally, memorize and meditate on that passage. Proverbs 22.7. Don't forget, the borrower is the servant to the lender. Let's pray. Father in heaven, money issues can be so tough for us. And yet we recognize, we recognize quite clearly that money is not just a material issue. It is also a spiritual issue. You talk about it so many times in the scriptures. And Lord, we know that you have the power to, to free us from our slavery to debt. We know that uh, you above all, came so that you could free us from all our spiritual debts. And we are so grateful. We, we feel so wonderful that we have your grace in our lives. So now, Lord, give us strength to move forward with this new kind of thinking about money and, and realize that everything that we have is yours and help us to honor you with it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.